0: One of my favorite comedies is the Cohen Brothers movie Raising Arizona, which some of you may not even remember. Hi, the main character, falls in love with Ed, short for Edwina, the policewoman who keeps snapping his mugshots as he is repeatedly arrested and sent to prison. They marry after High is released from what he hopes is his last prison term, and they move into a house trailer in the Arizona desert. And then, let's say, interesting complications happen. How could they not? I won't go into details, but at the very end of the movie, High dreams of an earthly paradise. I dreamt I was as light as the ether, a floating spirit visiting things to come. I saw Ed and me as an old couple being visited by their children and all their grandchildren too. The old couple weren't screwed up, and neither were their kids or their grandkids. And I don't know, you tell me. This whole dream, was it wishful thinking? Was I just a fleeting reality like I know I'm... Was I just fleeing reality like I know I'm liable to do? But it seemed real. It seemed like us. And it seemed like, well, our home. It was a land where all parents are strong and wise and capable. And all children are happy and beloved. I don't know maybe it was Utah. (laughs) Now if you happen to be from Utah I hope you're not insulted when I say that if you ask most people in the world to imagine a heaven on earth Utah is not the first place that would come to mind. Even Latter-day Saints believe that the New Jerusalem will someday be centered, not in Utah, their current headquarters, but in Independence, Missouri. But I suspect people wouldn't think of Missouri that way either. Nor, of course, would they think of Indianapolis. All of these places have some wonderful things to brag about, It's just that none of them comes to mind when you dream of heaven on earth, unless your name is high, I guess. In one of today's parables, Jesus seems to have had a sense of humor not that different from the Cohen brothers. He didn't mention Utah, but he came up with a suggestion just as ludicrous. What's the kingdom of heaven like? Let your imagination run wild. This time, think of a mustard plant. Think of the greatest of shrubs. That's like saying, think of a house trailer. Not just any house trailer, but the greatest of house trailers. Maybe a triple wide house trailer. A triple white house trailer just might have appealed to high as long as it was in Utah but most people would prefer something more grandiose. The same goes for the greatest of shrubs. I've looked at pictures of mustard plants. They look like goldenrod and they're about the same height at their tallest. They're also just as common on their native soil, and they are just as unwelcome if you are trying to grow anything else, even if their seeds do make a tasty continent. So here's Jesus telling us that the kingdom of heaven, the arrival of God's common life with us, is like a common invasive weed, like goldenrod, or as one commentator suggests, like dandelions. When Jesus' listeners heard this parable, they were familiar with another popular vision of God's reign mentioned in Ezekiel. Ezekiel invites us to imagine a stately cedar of Lebanon, which is about as impressive a tree as you could find in the Middle East. It's the tree everybody sits under in Downton Abbey, And it is nothing like a mustard plant. Jesus wants us to think about the contrast. Ezekiel says, Under that cedar, every kind of bird will live. In the shade of its branches will nest winged creatures of every kind. Jesus says that the mustard plant becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. Of course, mustard plants do not become trees, and the birds of the air do not make nests in their branches. What branches? Jesus knows that, and so do his listeners. It's a parody. Like High's Dream of Utah, it's meant to poke fun at our typical dreams of greatness, and even at our images of God. Maybe it's okay to imagine a towering cedar, but don't push it too far. What we have here are two very different versions of how God works in the world. There's the loud, pushy version, and then there's the quiet, persistent version. You can find them both in the Bible and in the traditions of the church the loud pushy version goes for the big impressive images like the cedar of Lebanon it views God as a mighty warrior definitely a gendered male living in a perfect place far away from here one of these days he's going to get fed up with this world and he'll show up and kick a lot of behinds and then he's going to take over and force everybody to behave like Mussolini's Italy The trains will definitely run on time. Then there's the quiet, persistent version of God's working. Its images aren't that impressive. A mustard plant, for example. This version views God as a loving parent, maybe even as a lover. Not exclusively male or female, especially if you read the Bible's wisdom literature living right here with us. The trains may never run on time, but God is incredibly persistent, like an invasive weed. You can try to kill off dandelions or goldenrod or mustard plants, but they'll always outwit you. They keep coming back. We might do better to learn how to get along with them, In one version, God wins once and for all by beating up everybody else and taking control. In the other version, God wins not by beating up anybody, not by taking control, but by not ever quite losing. God can't be permanently killed. We know that now because we've tried it. We even act it out every Sunday when we hold up the bread and break it only to find God is still right here with us. So since we can't learn to get rid of God, we might do better to learn how to get along. Maybe we would do better to give up dreams of beating up and controlling everybody else and follow God's strategy of incredible welcoming persistence If we tried that, maybe we would never lose either. Now, it's pretty clear that over the centuries, the church has been more attracted to the loud, pushy version of God's right. When early church leaders thought they had a chance at a Christian empire, they took it. When empires started disintegrating, Some have still tried to enforce their own peculiar visions of a Christian civilization through legislation. Too many are still trying, though it never really works. Enforcing faith is like trying to get rid of dandelions. But Jesus himself embodied the quiet, persistent version of God's reign. Not just in parables about mustard plants, but in his whole life, which, by the way, is not over yet, because that life is still embodied in the likes of us, more than just us, to be sure, but embodied nonetheless. Our creeds hint at this, but they only scratch the surface of what it really means. N.T. Wright is an English bishop and an influential New Testament scholar. He's also a card-carrying conservative evangelical, which I could never be. Well, not anymore. But once he said something downright radical. A student cornered him and asked, Is Jesus God? And Wright answered, That's the wrong question. Instead, we should be asking, is God like Jesus? Right is um, right. If God is has to win by beating up everybody else and taking control, then Jesus' life doesn't reflect that God very well, if at all. But if God refuses to lose by letting us do our worst and coming back again and again until we let love fill our lives, if that's what God is really like, then and only then can we see in Jesus God from God, light from light, true God from true God. If God's life really is best embodied in a life given away and given back in love, then that image of the loud, pushy God is nothing more than a caricature, an exaggerated picture. We do find all those exaggerated pictures all over the Bible, as well as in our hymnals, and they have their place, but they're still exaggerations. Don't take them too seriously. The God who encounters us in Jesus isn't like that. The God we keep stumbling over in Jesus is more like an invasive weed, like dandelions or goldenrod or a mustard plant. The kingdom of heaven is like the greatest of shrubs. So you just might find it already springing up in an unlikely place like Utah. It could even spring up in a place like Indianapolis or in a place like All Saints or in a place like you. Amen.